Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer, and this is the Weekend Roundup with Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts. First, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $41,656, pretty much even from yesterday, but it's up 21.5% in seven. Ethereum, $2,597, let's just call it 2.6, up 5.5%. Tether number three, Binance Coin number four at 341, up 3%, and Cardano number five at $1.37, up 4.6%. Rounding off the top 10, we have XRP, Dogecoin, USDC, Polkadot, and Uniswap. Total market cap, we're at $1.65 trillion in a BTC dominance of 47.2%. Like I said on Friday, I'm trying this new format for the weekend and doing weekend updates and weekend roundups. This is our first weekend roundup. I skipped the weekend update yesterday because I need a day off. But here is Dan Roberts, editor-in-chief and myself, chatting the news of the week. Dan Roberts, editor-in-chief of Decrypt. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me back, Matthew. Good morning. I'm drinking my coffee. Are you? Oh, yeah. Guzzling. 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 Well, sir, you know what? This has been a very interesting week in crypto. We had a lot of crypto price action. We have a lot of Binance news. And well, let's just jump into the price. I woke up this morning with Bitcoin being $41,500. That's a big jump. Hey, what's been going on this week? It, it is a big jump. And it's interesting because uh, I think that Things had been reset to the point where 40,000 became the new uh, resistance level. You know, when we talk about crypto markets, we often talk about resistance levels, right? And when we saw that big run up in the months leading up to April, when Bitcoin hit what is still its all time high around 63,000, we kept, you know, shattering different ceilings and that resistance level kept getting adjusted higher. Then we saw a, a huge pullback. I mean, it dropped almost by half. And we saw really for the last three months a slump, right? I mean, we've been calling it among the edit staff at Decrypt, uh, summer doldrums. Mm. And it seemed like, you know, nothing could really move the price. Uh, and then last week, suddenly in a course of four days, really over the weekend. So one week ago, it jumped from 30,000 to 40,000. And remember, everyone was trying to parse through, well, can you attribute it to an Amazon crypto job listing? I said, no, not just that. No way. It probably contributed a little, but not entirely. And plus some stuff was incorrectly reported about Amazon. You know, one place said, oh, sources say Amazon is going to accept Bitcoin. And Amazon had to come out and say, no, we're not. Right. But that was probably part of it, probably created some irrational exuberance. Then there was, you know, the B word event with Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey and Kathy Wood, where Musk said a lot of bullish things. And some people thought that was what sent the price higher again. That probably contributed. But the biggest thing was this uh, short squeeze where there were so many shorts and that's, you know, what was driving the market for the last three months. And uh, people kind of stuck it to them by uh, buying it up and, and killing their positions. I mean, something like a billion dollars of short positions were liquidated in the last week because of that price rise. But point being, once it hit 40,000, and that was you know maybe six days ago, it quickly fell back to the 36, 37, 38. 
And we, we saw that 40,000 became that new resistance level. Now here we are, it's Saturday morning and in the last 24 hours, it got as high as uh, 43,000. So are we seeing the end of what I called that summer slump, the summer doldrums, or is that a little too soon to be too excited? I mean, you know, are we about to, to break through and rocket back to the 60s? Or is, are we still going to kind of stay in this, um, you know, range bound for the next few days? We'll see. But it's pretty exciting. And, and look, a little bit of inside baseball for your listeners. Uh, when, when prices are doing better, uh, people are also more interested in reading crypto news. So surprise, surprise. So, you know, we don't, we don't dispense investment advice and we don't try to pump coins. But it's certainly no secret that when markets are, are doing better and it's not all doom and gloom, uh, more readers want to read stories that decrypt. Rocket back to the 60s. That sounds like a boomer dance party. That's awesome. I think for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we do rocket back to the 60s and then hopefully go back to my uh, my childhood, rocket back to the 90s. Look, we'll see. We will see. We will, we will see. And a little insider information from the podcast side as well. At, Obviously, when Bitcoin's doing good, huh, more people are listening to the podcast as well. Shocking. <laughs> shocking, shocking. And, you know, Dan, I just you have many, many years in uh, journalism. Why is that? Is there do you see other patterns in other markets or maybe even sports or when it, or uh, other because you worked at Yahoo uh, yeah. Sports and Yahoo Finance, correct? Yeah, it, it's a good question. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I would have thought that even when crypto prices are down, you wouldn't necessarily see interest in reading crypto news dry up because I would think people would want to know why markets are down. But what I can tell you for the last three months, not really. They, they don't want to read bad news. You know, people want to read good news. Uh, to answer your question, that's not quite the same in, in, in stocks. I mean, when I was at Yahoo Finance, on days where we saw a huge drop in equities, you saw big, big reader interest. The site did very well. You know, big, bad red days were good for us at Yahoo Finance. And we would do, you know, special live coverage because I was on camera every day. We had our daily live shows and people wanted to know what's happening. What's happening when crypto's crashing? People don't seem to want to know what's happening. They just look and they say, oh, don't like this. You know, I'll, I'll check again tomorrow. And we know that that's true with trading too, right? I mean, transaction volume on uh, on the big exchanges in the last couple of months has been flat, non-existent. I mean, people, you know, the initial selling happened and now it's mostly been flat with people just, just hodling, right? So now we're starting to see volume tick up. That's a good thing. But uh, I would point people also, there was a great blog post by Arthur Hayes, who is the former CEO of BitMEX and obviously... He has some trouble with the law right now and he might end up in jail, but he has a great blog on Medium and he wrote about, you know, this kind of summer pullback. And he said when when uh, trading volume is non-existent and when sentiment sucks, he said, I just go back to the, the most important thing, which is, you know, what is the uh, Fed's monetary policy right now? And as it stands, what kind of assets should I go to? And I go to crypto. And, you know, he had a, he had a great post on that recently, but yeah, it kind of varies by industry. I mean, sports too, right? Like during the pandemic, even once sports came back, live sports ratings were awful. And I, I remember we were writing about like, well, why? Why are the ratings so bad? And it's like, people are just kind of turned off. They're, they're not thinking about anything other than politics and the pandemic. For a long time, sports kind of kind of couldn't get a foothold again. And now the numbers have been great finally again, you know, a year and a half in. 
Has there been any coins that stood out to you like over this past week? Look, I've I've been looking at uh, certain coins because you know we know AMP got, just got listed on Binance.us. We're going to talk about Binance mm-hmm. in, in general just uh, in in a minute. Uh, I saw that Neo, um, which is up. I'm sorry, AMP is up uh, 45 percent for the week. We have Neo that's up, you know, 55 percent. That's up for, uh, up for the week. Has there been any other good performers or great performers this week besides just uh, the Bitcoin price? Yeah, it's it's a fun question. And by the way, I appreciate uh, your focus on the pod on not just the big guys, you know, Bitcoin, ETH, lately Dogecoin. I, I appreciate how you talk about a lot of these different tokens. One that I would point people to is Axie Infinity. And we've started to write a lot about it at Decrypt. Mm. The crypto gaming industry is really interesting. And, you know, we have a great writer, Andrew Hayward, who covers this stuff closely. Axie is one of these games that as the game has risen, this, this NFT universe and become more popular, surprise, surprise, the coin has risen big as well, AXS. Uh, I'm not sure what it's up in the last week, but it is definitely up big. And we keep returning to that. And then, of course, you know, another thing that, that interests me, continues to interest me, are the leading DeFi tokens. You know, weeks ago already, but it's still definitely relevant. I would point listeners to it. We ran a big listicle uh, naming what we think are the DeFi blue chips. You know, he said, what, what would you call DeFi's blue chips? And, you know, you can imagine some of them are the tokens of the best known uh, DEXs. So, you know, Uniswap, SushiSwap, we've got Aave on there, but we've also got, you know, Compound and Yearn Finance. And, and so I would encourage people to check that out. Uh, even in some weeks where Bitcoin and Ether down in most weeks lately, you know, for the past year or so, those DeFi tokens are up, up, up. You guys can get the links in the show notes for some of those uh, DeFi tokens, those articles, everything's in the show notes. Let's just uh, shift gears here for a second. Let's talk about Binance. Binance has been having some troubles, as everybody knows, um, the listeners of the podcast. I had on Julian Sawyer, the CEO of Bitstamp, and he was talking about the UK regulations and Binance's woes for Binance.UK. But Binance's woes are not just stopping there. Binance's woes are going over to Malaysia. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating, right? Because regulation and and regulatory issues, claims, tension with Binance, the largest exchange in the world, are not new. I mean, really not new. You know, it's been a couple of years now and and the company and and CEO Changpeng Zhao famously just say, well, we don't have a headquarters. We're fully decentralized. And that helps them kind of dodge regulation because by not saying that they're based in any one jurisdiction, they don't have to worry about being licensed in those jurisdictions. So it's not new. And yet in the last three weeks or so, it has really gone into overdrive. I mean, almost every day now, it feels like another country, you know, has its financial authority or financial regulator come out and basically say, you know, Binance is not licensed to do business in our jurisdiction. In many cases, it kind of hasn't mattered. Like, you know, we all cover it, but it doesn't seem to ding the company because all that really matters is can people in that country still access Binance? And they usually can. And so it's not an issue. Like, you know, about a month ago, the UK's FCA came out and said that a the only Binance uh, entity that was registered in the UK, which was this smaller division called Binance Markets Limited, was not authorized to do business. But it didn't matter because even the FCA had to clarify traders in the UK can still access Binance.com. Fine, kind of shrug. But the latest one this week was that Malaysian regulators came out and said, Binance is illegally operating here in Malaysia. And, that, and that's new. And it ordered Binance to disable its website, you know, make it so that people in Malaysia can't access Binance. That's new. Cease all media and marketing. So part of this was a cease and desist. 
And then also, and this was the most curious one, restrict Malaysian investors from accessing Binance's Telegram channel. How is that even possible? How how would they even do that? You know, I mean, I I guess if they tried to implement a a geographic location check, like, for example, with sports betting apps in the U.S., you know, if you want to use DraftKings and lay down a bet, it asks you to, to track your location, because if you're in a state where it's not allowed, then they won't let you do it. But I'm not even sure if that's possible with Telegram or to, to make just one company's Telegram channel ask your geographic location. It's a weird one. But, you know, look, this is all about consumer protection. I mean, that's Liz Warren's big thing. That's why she's trying to, you know, tighten controls on, on crypto exchanges. She, her whole stumping ground is protect consumers. So, you know, all this is heating up is the point. And what will it mean for Binance? Not nothing. You know, I feel like for a long time, we could shrug off all of these examples and say, Binance probably doesn't care. They'll just continue doing their thing. I don't know. The, the noise is getting much louder. That's a very good point. You know, at the beginning, Binance and uh, CZ Zhao, he was pretty savvy to say, you know, uh, this is decentralized. We don't have an office. What are you going to do for the most part? But it is coming to bite him in the ass. And, you know, it's it's a really good point um, that, you know, you see Binance, you see CZ really scrambling with Binance to try to figure out how to be regulatory compliant in different countries. You know, he brought on Brian Brooks in the U.S. He has uh, really cut back, you know, his uh, services uh, for finance when it comes to derivatives and futures. Um, And so he's really trying to figure out how to pivot either the dot com so people don't, you know, start attacking the dot com, but also working within the countries. And he's bringing in other people. And he's even saying that maybe I'm not the best CEO for this time. Maybe I'm not the best CEO for this pivot uh, of my company right now because people are coming down on Binance for their for regulation and trying to figure out how to best serve their their, their um, constituents in those countries from the government's point of view. And, and Binance is trying to, you know, come in and, and, and create that, you know, regulatory framework and service. Um, but why now, Dan? Why yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, and by the way, there's a lot there that kind of jogged my memory on the fact I want to mention. They're obviously taking some recent steps that whether they would admit it or not, are in response to these regulatory headaches. Right. You know, like in the past, they could kind of shrug it off publicly. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at Decrypt at our recent stories about Binance. And you, you do see suddenly a very recent track record of response. I mean, Binance pulled futures and derivatives options from its European market. And I mentioned that in Europe, you know, regulators weren't happy with the company. Binance and FTX also both recently uh, reduced how much leverage they'll allow you to, to take. They, they previously allowed 120x leverage, which is crazy. And now it's going to be 20x, which is still pretty damn high, 20x. But, you know, this is the company trying to uh, throw a bone to regulators and say, see, we, we understand we're trying to protect consumers. When you say why now, I mean, I think it's clear that the um, furor and kind of hubbub and discussion and hue and cry as they say, around regulation of crypto is louder than it's ever been. I mentioned Liz Warren. I mean, we've got Gary Gensler in the SEC chair, and a lot of crypto people assumed when he was named the next SEC chair that he would be very friendly to crypto and it would be open season and he would approve an ETF. Not yet. Not so fast. I mean, we'll see. It hasn't happened yet. So maybe he's not going to be you know, the, the clear friend of crypto that everyone assumed just because he once taught a course on blockchain at MIT. So it's all getting louder. And I think that CZ sees the writing on the wall. You also alluded to a story where just a week ago, he very casually mentioned in in an interview, you know, I'm looking to bring on someone with great compliance and regulatory experience, maybe to be CEO of Binance. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that sounded to me like, you know, he's, he's looking to hire his replacement. 
Although a couple of places wrote that up and then he tweeted and said, you know, I'm not going anywhere yet. It's like, well, that's what they all say until they suddenly announce, you know, I'm stepping down. So, uh, you know, he'll always say I'm I'm not leaving a CEO until it actually happens. Right. You know, they usually do that for more confidence in the market. They don't want the CEO just be like, oh, well, I might be leaving. I might not. Well, it's like, well, then what's going on over there at Binance, buddy? Like, uh, give us some confidence. (laughs) Exactly right. Last thing, Dan, uh, I want to just touch on it. I know that I want to talk to John Roberts about this in more detail, but we keep bringing up regulation and you brought up Senator Warren a couple times. And look, their infrastructure bill just yesterday started looking at cryptocurrency and making a framework to tax uh, people who hodl cryptocurrency in a way that um, has people in the crypto space a little freaked out. And they're trying to raise $28 billion for uh, to pay for part of this infrastructure bill off the backs of the crypto industry. The One of my the ways that I look at it is is it's pretty unethical since uh, we don't even have a framework in which to operate over here, yet you're trying to pay for an infrastructure bill in the, fu- in the future with this industry. And uh, what if you know this? You guys start banning this industry or, or, or making these new regulations um, in the crypto space, and now you can't pay for it off the backs of the crypto industry, but you're still put, you know, putting it into the, the bill to say, hey, this is where we're going to get our money from. So I think it's just a, a pretty confusing. Do you know anything about this uh, bill or the taxation aspect to it, just so we could just touch on it briefly before I talk to John? Yeah, I would say, you know, it's hard not to think they're grasping at straws. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays every bill has to say, well, how are we going to get the money for this? And it, it honestly kind of reads like some lawmaker was like, well, what if we get it from crypto companies? You know, they're bad and we, we want to we want to crack down on them. It's like, oh, that's a good place to get it. Now, it's important we mention it, as you said correctly, this is just a $28 billion part of the much larger $550 billion bill. But, you know, they're trying to uh, earmark part of this by saying, let's go after brokers, crypto brokers. The biggest problem is Jeff writes, brokers is so broadly defined here that, you know, you could technically uh, lump every crypto company under the term broker. I mean, it could be miners, it could be DeFi protocols, it could be exchanges, it could be DEXs. And that's the issue that scares everyone. And of course, you know, if you have to suddenly register with the IRS and, and submit all your customer, um, you know, information, well, that might be fine for Coinbase or for a centralized exchange. But for a lot of these businesses, that defeats the whole purpose of being decentralized. So uh, people are very concerned about this. And, and as Jeff writes, time is running out to try and fight this and convince these lawmakers this isn't going to work. This isn't a good idea. Get your money for uh, repaving roads elsewhere. I just want your opinion on something because, you know, as I don't know if it's actually responsible as journalists to have opinions on these things, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, as you said, grasping at straws. And I, I, I liked what you said there. They're grasping at straws. They're tra- trying to figure out how to pay for this. But also, if you're making regulations or calling just like throwing th- things into a bill that is actually going to be part of the framework for this industry and you're doing it haphazardly, it could be very de- detrimental to the, the the crypto space in general with, because you're not doing it in a like thoughtful, proper, you know, drawn, uh, drawn out process that creates a, a framework that encourages innovation or encourages this industry and encourage, encourages, you know, the growth. Um, do you think that this is going to be detrimental? And do you think that the Congress is ha- acting haphazardly for, for this industry? Like, I think what, what matters here is that first there's a, a learning curve. Like the problem when DC lawmakers try to regulate a certain tech industry or company is usually first they have to understand it. I mean, that happened with social media and that happened with you know certain companies like Uber and ride sharing, the gig economy. It's like 
their first instinct is they say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We want to tax it. We want to regulate it. We want to impose stricter rules. But first the companies say, well, let us explain to you how our business works. So, you know, Liz Warren's a great example. Again, I mean, a week ago, she was saying that the problem with crypto as she sees it is it takes the financial system and puts it in the hands of shadowy super coders. And mm-hmm. that quote got, you know, amplified everywhere. We ran it as a headline. It killed. Everyone was tweeting, making jokes. Crypto Twitter was a buzz over it. Only two days later, in a different interview, she suddenly said that she thinks that central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, could be great in helping the underbanked and unbanked and could spur financial inclusion. And it's like, well, which is it? I mean, do you think crypto is good or bad? Or is it that, well, crypto is good if the government controls it? And honestly, I think she's well-intentioned. I think part of it is just she still needs to learn more. Someone needs to help her learn about crypto before she can go after it and regulate. So all that is a way of saying that, you know, it is dangerous. There is a chance that it could really hurt the industry if they move too quickly and if they're hasty. And often they're hasty, but more often it's tall talk and then things don't happen for years. You know, I mean, the Washington is is not at all known in any way for moving quickly with anything. Uh, they move sluggishly. So I suspect there's still time to try to do some handholding if the crypto industry leaders can get their act together and, and come together and do some lobbying. Dan Roberts, Editor-in-Chief of Decrypt. Thank you very much for coming on the show and doing this week. No, this isn't a weekend update. This is a, what, what, what are we calling this? A weekday weekday roundup, a week roundup. We need to brand yeah, this. Love it. Week in review. There you go. Thanks, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. Also, let us know how we did with our weekend roundup. I'll see you next weekend for another weekend roundup, and I'll also see you tomorrow for the normal news. Until then, happy hodling, everyone. Oh, and enjoy your Sunday.